0: y us. us. us.
1: Lord, we just thank you for the great victory that you have achieved, Father, over sin and over death. And Lord, that we have the ability to enter into that victory. And so, Father, I pray as we open up your word today that we would enter in, that we would be all in, Father, to what you have to say, to the change that you want to make and to the inspiration that you desire to implant deep within our hearts. And so, Lord, we just open ourselves to your word that you would bless us, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Why don't you turn to your neighbor and tell him, Happy Sunday. Happy Sunday. Happy Sunday. Good morning. Go ahead and turn your Bibles to the book of Hebrews chapter 11. We'll be finishing the chapter today. Hey, was it that bad? <laughs> Hebrews chapter 11 will be starting at verse 35. Actually, I'll start at verse 32. Again, if you've arrived here today without a Bible, we'd like for you to follow along, and there should be one in front of you underneath the seat, but if there isn't, if you'll raise your hands, the ushers will bring one to you. We have one up here, two up here. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 35. Go ahead and stand for the reading of God's word. As I said earlier, we'll start reading at verse 32. And what more shall I say, for the time would fail me to tell of Gideon and Brock and Samson and Jephath, also of David and Samuel and the prophets, who through faith subdued kingdoms, worked righteousness, obtained promises, and stopped the mouths of lions, quenched the violence of fire, escaped the edge of the sword, out of weakness were made strong, became valiant in battle, turned to fight the armies of the aliens, Women received their dead, raised to life again. Others were tortured, not accepting deliverance that they might obtain a better resurrection. Still others had trial of mockings and scourgings, yes, of chains and imprisonment. They were stoned, they were sawn in two, were tempted, were slain with the sword. They wandered about in sheepskins and goatskins, being destitute, afflicted and tormented of whom the world was not worthy. They wandered in the deserts and mountains and dens and caves of the earth, and all these, having obtained a good testimony through faith, did not receive the promise. God, having provided something better for us, that they should not be made perfect apart from us. Lord, once again, as we look at this subject of faith, I pray, Father, in this last study that you would drive these things deep within our hearts, that we would make the determination of where we are at in our Christian lives. Are we holding fast to faith or are we slipping away? And so we lift up this morning just praying, God, that you would bless us with the knowledge of your word, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. You go ahead and be seated. I don't know if you've noticed, I did not know if you recognize this, but it's important that you do because we've looked at these heroes of our faith in the past and we've seen as they've stepped out into the unknown, not really knowing what's going to happen or what's going to become of them, that God blessed them and God used them. But now, if you look at verse 35, we kind of enter into a different place. Says, woman, received their dead raised to life again. So again, that's good. But but look at these others who had faith, and look at how the worldly difficult entered into their lives. Others were see. There's going to be some people that are that are in the faith. They were tortured, not accepting deliverance. That means they could have, but because of their faith in God, they stood strong, that they might obtain a better resurrection. Still, others had trials of mockings and scourgings. Yes, of chains and imprisonment. They were stoned, and when they stoned, that means they were put to death. They were sawn in two, were tempted, were slain with the sword, and wandered about in sheepskins and goatskins, being destitute, afflicted, tormented. See, not all of it turns out with a good ending, how we define a good ending. I mean, we know that all comes out exactly how God desires. But there are going to be people that exhibit faith, that you're going to enter into some pretty hard times, some pretty difficult days. And we look at our lives, we look at our times, and we see how, well, things can be hard. And so I've asked over 15 times in our studies of Hebrews chapter 11, are you holding fast to faith, or are you slipping away? And the reason I ask this is basically for two main reason. The first one I've given each time, because either everybody here is either holding fast to faith, or you are slipping away. My intent is that you would make the necessary evaluation and that you would take a snapshot of your current spiritual condition and make the necessary judgments that you would be walking strong in the Lord Jesus Christ. We're told in... First John chapter 1 verse 9 speaks of the changes that could be made. It says, if we, now he's speaking of himself, he's speaking of the church here, he says, if we confess our sins, he, God, is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. There's always that opportunity we see in the scriptures and we've experienced in our lives to get back to where we need to be with God. And so if you determine that you're not holding fast to faith, you're slipping away, just Repent. And just come to the Lord and make the necessary uh, adjustment, get right with God and then move forward in the victory that God has for us. But the second reason, the second reason, faith, whether it's held fast or you're slipping away, is confirmed through suffering. It's confirmed through the difficult day. So you make your best evaluation that you can on days like today when we're sitting in the sanctuary and have that opportunity you can even ignore the question if you want but at some point in your life your faith is going to be tested by suffering it's just going to be a reality i've seen what i consider to be the ultimate test of faith on somebody's deathbed as they're on their deathbed and i have as a pastor an opportunity to observe that from time to time I've seen faith that has just hold fast, that has just humbled me. It's caused me to consider my own faith. Would I be as strong as that person is on the day that the Lord calls me home? And everybody here, we know, barring the rapture of the church, that day is coming. There seems to be a great contradiction in the Bible, something that does not make sense to the natural man, but something that as you enter into a relationship with Jesus Christ, Everybody who does so is going to understand. Jesus spoke about it on that Sermon on the Mount in Matthew chapter 5, verse 10. Blessed or content are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake. Well, we spend a lot of time trying to avoid persecution. But here it's saying, I'm going to find blessings. I'm going to find contentment in the process of being persecuted for righteousness' sake. It says, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. And so I've got to consider what is being scripturally said, what my experiences are, and how these things mesh together. See, if you're holding fast to your faith, then you're going to find contentment in the midst of torment. Torment is going to come. Hardship is going to come, as I pointed out a little bit earlier. Difficult days on the horizon. And again, it doesn't matter if you're holding fast to faith or slipping away. The idea is how you're going to enter into that. Because all situations and circumstances of my life, they're orchestrated by the hand of God. They're things that God allows me to enter into. And as that is on the horizon, as we are told God inhabits eternity, I'm entering into what God has for me. We look at, well, our children. They're learning about when Joshua and Caleb entered into the promised land. And in Exodus chapter 23, we're told, God even told them that, his angel, his messenger, went before them. That they were going to enter into that promised land that God had prepared for them and he was going to fight for them. But their problem is, what did they see? They just saw the hardship. They saw cities with walls up to the sky and they saw giants within the land so that that first generation did not enter in because they could not enter in by faith. And so, wherever it is that God calls you to, God will enable you And so God goes before us in all that we do. God goes before us in this life. So it just seems logical to try to avoid avoid any form of confrontation to find peace within our lives. Well, we need to be out there. We need to be vocal and and, and we need to be visual. The house that I grew up in, it was built in 1957. The first house that my wife and I lived in, it was built in the early 50s. All the homes that were built during that time, they had front porches. They don't build front porches anymore. I mean, very rarely do you see them, and if they do, they're, they're pretty small. When I grew up in the 60s, our parents would sit out in the front, in front of the garage, on the driveway, with other parents on the street, and we would run all over the place, and that was kind of the community, the little community that we had, and I have fond memories of that. I also knew if I messed up, and I was at Joey Mendoza's house, my my best friend, that Mrs. Mendoza, she'd beat the tar out of me. And then she'd go tell my parents, and they would beat the tar out of me, and all that was okay. It was all good. Well, we're not like that anymore. A chance of human interaction seems like it's at an all-time low. Everybody kind of keeps to themselves, and a lot of us don't even know who our neighbors are. We've got cell phones and social medias and we continue to make our lives into cocoons that we don't really invite anybody else in. On the internet, I don't even need to be who I am. I, I, can, I can be Superbike if I want. I can present myself on Facebook or my email address and however I please making myself into, well again, just a facade of who I maybe think that I, that I am. But we so easily think, no interaction, No problems, but that's not the Christian life. And matter of fact, it's when I try to avoid the difficulties, when I try to avoid people, that really hardship is going to enter in from the standpoint of that's not what God has called me to, so God's not going to bless a life that is like that. I need to be out there. I need to be visual. I need to be vocal. And so what we all want as far as our society, we all want little house on the prairie. We all want the Waltons. I think about stuff like that. I'm thinking, I bet you half the audience don't even know who those TV shows are, but most of you do. You know, this is where everything is going so swell at the beginning of the show, and then some issue enters in, and that's the majority of the show. They deal with it, and at the end, everybody is just happy. Good night, John boy, and just wait until the next week when they go through the whole process again. But the problem is, real life enters in. You can ask Michael Landon. Michael Lannan, the star of Little House on the Prairie, died of pancreatic cancer, not on the show, but in real life. Real life has a way of entering in, and it affects the cocoons that we we construct for ourselves. In Job chapter 5, verses 6 through 8, it says, for affliction does not come from the dust, nor does trouble spring from the ground. Yet man is born to trouble as sparks fly upward. But as for me, I would seek God, and to God I would commit my cause. In the midst of all the trials, in the midst of all the hardship, that I would seek the Lord out. So, what we've been given here in Hebrews, Hebrews chapter 11, is a little history lesson on faith. And in each example that an element of suffering of some sort entered in. There had to be some sort of difficulty that was facing that person in which faith enabled them to get over that obstacle and to prevail in the Lord. And so I need to see that in my Christian life because there are going to be obstacles. There's going to be obstacles that myself and the flesh that I lay before. There's going to be obstacles that the devil, as he tries to hinder what God wants to do in me and through me, that he lays before me, but I can't give up and I must move forward. Especially as we see the the signs of society today, even as a few weeks ago we looked at that picture of prophecy and we see that it sure seems like the signs of the end times are upon us. We can't quit. We can't give up we've got to continue to push forward in the Lord Jesus Christ because that's what He has called us to do. And if that's what He's called us to do, again, that's what He's going to enable us to do. There's so many people that are not holding fast to their faith in God, but they're just kind of slipping away because of their trust in themselves. And it's those kinds of people that are are going to be defeated. It's those kinds of people that sooner or later are going to quit, are going to surrender. So the timeline... Of this lesson, it goes through the lives of certain Old Testament saints. It skips the sufferings of Christ. We'll be looking at that in chapter 12. And it closes with the New Testament saints. It closes with those who did see these great promises. Verse 39, And all these, having obtained a good testimony through faith, did not receive the promise, did not receive the coming of Jesus Christ during their day. How much more so because of Christ, because of all that God said and the sending of Messiah, and we see these things, how they played out scripturally and in history books, should we see that God's hand is upon all, and that should strengthen our faith. Because even as we see that God's hand is upon all in the past, you have to have that knowledge and know and understand that God's hand is on the future as well. And that should give you that confidence that I spoke of earlier that I'm entering in, to what God has prepared for me. And because of that, I should do so with a boldness. And so I want to start the closing today of this last chapter with four little history lessons on history itself, keeping in mind that history is in actuality his story. First thing, first point that I want to make, history We have to understand this and know this history is under the control of God. In Habakkuk chapter 1, verses 5 through 6, it says, Look among the nations and watch. Be utterly astounded. For I will work a work in your days which you would not believe, though it were told to you for indeed I am raising up the Chaldeans this would be the Babylonians a bitter and hasty nation which marches through the breadth of the earth to possess dwelling places that are not theirs and so God said that this was going to happen we look at the history book we see that it did come to pass and so God is in control of what's going on and we see the things that are going on matter of fact we have the internet and and the news station we know what's going on across the world even before it happens Matter of fact, we experienced it yesterday. We know what's happening even when it's not happening. What does that mean? Well, Hawaii got a threat of a missile coming in that was false. Can you imagine if you got that text on your phone saying a missile is on the way, it's going to be there in 20 minutes? I mean, that, that's cruel for one thing. It's, you know, I don't know where the breakdown was, but everything is instant. Everything is instant, but what that should be is should be instant within our hearts, understanding, again, that God's hand is upon all that's going on. Every nation that exists is under the control of the hand of God. So as there is much evil in the world today, and many rogue nations, keep in mind that, well, things aren't always as they seem on the surface. Remember when Babylon came and took... Uh, Judah into Babylonian captivity. I would imagine if you were around at that time, you would be thinking, it's over. God's either given up or God was not able to do all that he said because there's rich promises through Jerusalem and, and all that God's going to do. And here, we're under Babylonian captivity. And even worse than that, he's deported us to Babylon. And we've just heard the report, he's, dis- he's burnt Jerusalem and destroyed the temple. But God's hand is upon that. Nebuchadnezzar was his servant to teach God's people their lessons so that they would recognize that God is in control there was a period of 70 years that seemed to be despair but God entered in remember when Rome used to pretty much own the known world and who would be able to conquer Rome well Rome as all other nations they faded away so did England Germany seemed like they were going to take over all of Europe but Germany's not nearly what they used to be Russia, Russia was reduced, they have now increased again, but again, it's all under the control of God. There was Al-Qaeda, and then ISIS came upon the scene and made Al-Qaeda look like nothing compared to them, but now even ISIS has been reduced, and then you have to wonder about the United States of America as well. But as much as I love my country, my concern is with the Lord, and, and my focus is upon all that God has for me as I live in this particular country and the brethren as they are outside. We're going to have a young couple come up here next Sunday. Um, used to, uh, uh, Christina used to uh, come to church here and then so this young man hauled her out of here. He married her and took her away from us. But it's Sean's daughter, Christina, and they're going to be going to India. They're going to India. They have two young children and they're going to be going to India for the purpose of sharing the gospel. And so you'll, they'll, they'll be speaking for a little bit at the, at the beginning of church. But what, I need, what you need to see in that is that, you know, God's not only got a plan here. He's not only got a plan in my neighborhood, but he's got plans on the other side of the world. And the reason they're going to India is to minister to Muslims that are there. And so they, they've taken time and taught and trained, been taught and trained. And they've even gone to mosque here in, in, uh, in, in this country to be prepared for that. And we need to see how some people give all. Because see, when I live, leave here, I'm going to go home to a comfortable house. I'll be sitting on my couch and doing whatever I do on a Sunday afternoon preparing for tonight's service. There's some people that have forsaken all of that, have given all of that, because that's what God has called them to do. And they're out there doing God's word. And so, yeah, we need to be convicted by that, but we also need to be inspired by that, because all that occurs is occurring according to the good pleasure of our holy God. So when it comes to history, we must understand God started it, God controls it, and one day God is going to end it, but it's all according to his will. Held fast faith understands this, and you find again that contentment, that peace of God that surpasses understanding in the midst of all that goes on. Secondly, history, we must understand, follows the course of God's divine plan. God had chosen the way that things are going to go before things even were in existence from the foundation of the world and as God set the course things are going according to his plan. Now just think the opposite if things aren't going according to his plan. If God does not inhabit eternity, if God does not exist in our future, if not all things work together then things are going to catch God by surprise. I didn't realize that was going to happen. I didn't know and so once again then we go back to our existence just depending upon chance. But that's not what the scriptures say. Our existence is in the hands of our holy God who controls all that goes on. Again, you have to know and understand and your faith will be strengthened when you do understand that history follows the course of God's divine plan. Nothing happens by chance or accident. No nation comes to be by mistake or surprise. It's all by the will of God. Proverbs 21, 1 The king's heart is in the hand of God like the rivers of water. He turns it wherever he wishes. Held fast faith, believes this. Understands that as he enters into tomorrow and the next day, he can have a confidence in God is doing a work. And we must understand that. We must know that because any other thing is your existence is just by chance. Thirdly, history follows the course of God's divine timetable. So the things that happen are according to the plan of God, and when they happen is according to the plan of God. Isaiah fifty-seven fifteen. For thus says the High and Lofty One, who inhabits eternity, whose name is Holy. I dwell in the high and holy place with Him who has a contrite and humble spirit. Why? To revive the spirit of the humble and to revive the heart of the contrite ones. Again, this is the confidence that Israel had or should have had as they were entering into the promised land. That yeah, we're going in and there's walls that we can't conquer and there's people who are bigger, more powerful than us, but our God is bigger. And you have to know that. Your faith will be strengthened when you come to the understanding of the strength of God, but also the dedication of God to you. He already knew that you were imperfect on the day that he saved you. That's why you were saved by grace. He knew that you were not going to live a perfect life from then on, but he still invested in you. As all he desires is, is when you stumble, when you fall, when you outright sin, is that you would confess your sin and that you would move on in boldness in the Lord Jesus Christ. But you would also understand that when you're faced with something bigger than you, it's not according to your strength. It's not according to your power, but it's according to the strength and the power of God. And if you come to that understanding, you're going to have a boldness in this life, and more specifically, in what God had called you to do. Because when you see something that is set before you, or God's call that you come to the realization, and you think, oh, I can't do that, that's good, because you can't. But He can. We're told in the book of Ephesians, chapter 3, that he's able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think. Just dwell upon, meditate upon that verbiage. He's able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think. The power of God is off the charts of what we're able to comprehend. The problem is, and unfortunately, when we don't hold fast to faith, we focus upon our abilities and really our inabilities and that's why we don't move forward in what God has called us to do. Held fast faith is secure in this. We're secure in the knowledge and the might and the power of our God. Fourthly, history is tied into God's plan for his kingdom. All other kingdoms that have ever exist and that exist even today are only relevant in regards to Israel and the church everything revolves obviously around God but the work that God is doing in Israel and the church so when you look at Israel and trying to figure out the things that are going on in Israel you need to see the hand of God and it's the same thing in the church you need to realize that this is Jesus's church he's built his church upon the rock of whom he is and what did he say the gates of hell will not prevail now, when he says the gates of hell will not prevail, I always thought that the gates of you know hell's not going to be able to attack the church, but that's not what it means. It means the gates of hell, the defensive mechanisms of hell, will not be able to prevail against a proactive church that is moving forth in faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, don't just think of that as the church. Think of that as you because as a member of the church, you are the church, and the gates of hell will not prevail. The gates of hell will not prevail as you push forward in faith. Being a person who's walking forth in prayer and the knowledge of God's word, understanding the good work that God wants to do, because you have read to the end of the book and understanding the total and complete victory that God is going to work through just humble people. There's, There's nothing over the top here up here or, or down there or, or in here there, there's nothing special about any of these people That are, matter of fact the majority of these people were just common everyday people matter of fact they were the foolish people of the world but God uses the foolish to confound the wise they need to understand that it was the fool who understood his weakness but he put his trust in God who has been made wise but not only made wise but made powerful in the Lord Jesus Christ In Matthew 24, verses 4 through 6, And Jesus answered and said to them, Take heed that no one deceives you. For many will come in my name, saying, I am the Christ, and will deceive many. And you will hear of wars and rumors of wars. See that you are not troubled. All of these things must come to pass, but the end is not yet. Why? Because he's still doing a work to his church, and he still has a plan for Israel. And so, rocket man over there in North Korea um Russia whatever, they cannot thwart the plan of God. And I must have a confidence in that. We need to be proactive. We need to be pushing forward. Don't get me wrong in that. There are forces of evil that are out there and we need to be proactive against it. But I have to know that I fight from the standpoint of victory. We are more than conquerors in the Lord Jesus Christ. Held fast faith, held fast faith finds peace understanding that history is tied into God's plan for his kingdom. So up to this point, we've been looking at individual portraits of faith, but now we've got this final group picture that we are all able to enter into. Once again, I'll reread back in Hebrews chapter 11, this time verse 35 through 40. Women received their dead, raised to life again. Others were tortured, not accepting deliverance, that they might obtain a better resurrection. Still others had trials of mockings and scourgings, yes, of chains and imprisonment. They were stoned, they were sawn in two, they were tempted, they were slain with the sword. They wandered about in sheepskins and goatskins, being destitute, afflicted and tormented, of whom the world was not worthy. They wandered in the deserts and mountains and dens and caves of the earth. And all these, having obtained a good testimony through faith, did not receive the promise." God having provided something better for us that they should not be made perfect apart from us. The better thing is, is the testimony of the Lord Jesus Christ and the victories that God achieved back then over sin but continues to work even today. As we have the Scriptures, we need to understand that the purpose of the Scriptures are to increase my faith. Faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the Word of God. Faith is necessary to achieve God's purposes. And so, I have to understand how this all goes together, and I have to understand that, am I fitting in scripturally to how faith needs to come about, how faith is developed, and how faith is maintained? See, we're the ones who have received something better. And so I want to finish our study in examining certain points and what Jesus Christ has pointed out, certain points that he pointed out that we would be able to compare to our lives and to this concept of faith. It's essential to know this and essential to understand it because the devil has done a work in this concept of faith, biblical concept of faith he's used this faith this health and wealth thing that if you have faith and you can become rich you'll never get you know and all this other garbage that exists out there and matter of fact it's even caused us at times when we hear the word of faith to think of those things matter of fact if you understand I, i would say the internet's probably a bigger form of media and the devil does do a work there but you look at one of the biggest forms of media is tv and that's where some of the biggest lies come according to the word of god and and contrary to the church and proper, proper biblical teaching. And so we've got to be well-versed on this concept of faith so that we know what God is saying. We can, can, we can apply it to our lives. It can shine light on Hebrews chapter 11. and We can understand why God gave us these testimonies so it would motivate us in what God has called us to do. So go ahead and turn over in your Bibles to Mark chapter 11, verse 20. Mark chapter 11, verse 20. We're going to spend pretty much the rest of the time there. I'll be reading verses 20 through 24. Mark chapter 11, verse 20. Now in the morning, as they passed by, they saw the fig tree dried up from the roots. And Peter, remembering, said to him, said to Jesus, Rabbi, look, the fig tree which you cursed has withered away. So Jesus answered and said to them, Have faith in God, for surely I say to you, whoever says to this mountain, Be removed and be cast into the sea, and does not doubt in his heart, but believes that those things he says will be done, he will have whatever he says." therefore i say to you whatever things you ask when you pray believe that you receive them and you will have them the point of our lord is here is how to have and maintain fervent faith and we're going to be looking at four ways to do it four practical ways that i have to examine how is my faith today am i holding fast am i slipping away if I'm holding fast, I need to understand how I need to maintain that. If I'm slipping away, I need to understand how I need to get where it is that I need to get. Just because I tell you of the giants that went before us, that should inspire you. But I want to give some practical elements on how to achieve what God desires of you in your Christian life. So the first thing, if you want to have fervent faith, you've got to maintain proper root care. Look at verses 20 and 21. Now in the morning as they passed by, they saw the fig tree dried up from the roots. And so it was dead, but it was dead from the bottom up. At this time, and even today, man has become spiritually dry. Back in the Lord's day and our days today. The roots, the roots are the secret part of the plant. You don't get to see those unless you pretty much dig up the plant. I remember we had a peach tree that it never well it did give off peaches but they were mutant looking peaches they weren't anything that was very appetizing and then we'd pull one off every once in a while it would produce like two or three a year and i would eat it and they'd be sour and they just were never any good and so my wife kept telling me dig it up and i kept giving it grace i gave it grace every year but then pastor mike will not strive with peach tree forever It came that time when judgment came upon the peach tree. And I went out there and so I'm thinking, okay, I got to dig up this peach tree. It wasn't a very big tree, but nonetheless, you know, root balls. It can be a lot of work to get out. I stuck my shovel in and I pulled it back and the whole tree came out. The roots did not go. It was just this little ball. It it, it just never really grew and never stuck out those roots that were able to bring the nutrients in. And if you're not holding fast to faith today, if you're you're holding, how, how are your roots? How is the health of your roots, that portion of us that spreads out and gathers the nutrients in? Again, it's that secret place that I won't necessarily be able to tell, nor will anybody else's. It's that area that we can so easily keep so secret. And so let me ask you, are you doing daily devotions? Because that's going to produce healthy roots that suck in the nutrients and give a healthy tree that others are able to come and partake of the fruit. Because remember why Jesus, because earlier he had struck this tree, why did he do it? It wasn't producing fruit. That's the problem that I had with the peach tree. And that's the problem that we can experience even in our own lives. Are we producing fruit? Well, the way I do that is, is proper nutrients, developing strong roots through daily devotions, daily time in the word of God. If the Word of God is, as I say it is, as the Bible says it is, as we believe it is, we should be spending quite a bit of time there. And I guess the best test is how much time do you spend on the Internet, in front of the TV, whatever it might be, as opposed to God's Word. Secondly, how about personal prayer? Do you spend time communicating with God? Speaking to the lord and, and 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 asking the Lord that God would strengthen your faith, and God would do a great work and thirdly, how about fruitful fellowship? Are you spending time in the house of God and again i 'm not talking about what we consider to be fellowship when we go to dinner with one another or a movie with one another that 's not bad stuff, but i 'm talking about as we worship the Lord corporately as we worship the Lord together, and so it 's that secret part of the plant and like there's only one person two people my wife and myself that I have a pretty good idea on what our roots look like everybody else we can so easily play the hypocrite it's easy to do because again that's that secret part that nobody else sees but that's the part that King David was talking about when we go to Israel we're going to be in En Gedi and I was there I was in En Gedi that's a place where David was hiding from Saul King Saul And in that place, it's a bit of a canyon, and the stream goes right through the middle. And as you're walking down this trail to get back, you see as the stream is going, all of the trees are all near the stream and all the bushes. So there's this green belt that goes through, and you're in the middle of wilderness. There's uh, caves that are up in the hillside, and we see scripturally that's where David was hiding, and so on and so forth. But I can imagine when Saul wasn't hot on David's trail as he'd be sitting there, and he, David was a man who contemplated, and he wrote, that's where we got a lot of the Psalms, I can see where he got this Psalm from, as he would sit there in En Gedi, as he would watch this river flow. It says in Psalm chapter 1, the first three verses, blessed, once again happy or content, is the man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stands in the path of sinners, nor sits in the seat of the scornthru- scornful, but his delight is in the law of the Lord, in the word of God. And in his law, he meditates day and night. And so what's going to be the result of this? Well, verse 3 tells us, he shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that brings forth its fruit in its season, whose leaf also shall not wither, and whatever he does shall prosper. This is a tree that's got good root, root care. Why? Because it's planted near the rivers of water. And as i pointed out so many times, water in the Scripture is a picture of the Word of God. And this tree, as it's planted, it's not planted off in the distance, because that's all dry ground, and it's of no benefit to this tree to produce the fruit and produce the the, the desired, well, the leaves are a picture of, of the health of the tree. And so as it's planted there, it's able to draw from the water, and as it draws from the water, it's healthy and it's strong, and others are able to come and partake of it. And it's the same thing with us. As we're planted near the rivers of water, we're healthy, we're strong, we're producing fruit, and others are able to partake of that tree. So first, we need to exercise proper root care. Secondly, to have fervent faith, you must turn to the object of your faith. It has to be God. It cannot be faith for faith's sake. It can't be faith in things or faith in stuff it has to be God. Look at verse 22. I'm back in Mark chapter 11. So Jesus answered and said to them, have faith in God. Don't have faith in yourself. Don't have faith in what you're able to do, your abilities or anything else. You must have faith in God. He is the one who, as I said earlier, is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think. In John chapter 14, verse 1, Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. And so it's that connection that we have with God or faith. Pastor Mike, we're talking about faith, not belief. Look at it this way. Faith is the noun and belief is the word or the verbal form, I guess I should say, belief is the verbal form of faith. Faith in God is what we are to have and belief is how it is manifest. Belief is how we know that we are having that faith and exercising that faith as well as others. I want others to see the the connection that God has with me through my belief and through the strength that God gives me and what God has called me to do. Thirdly, fervent faith is... Well, you have fervent faith by releasing your faith through the spoken word. That may sound kind of mystic, but it's a reality. At verse 23, I've underlined it three times. The word says. In verse 23, For surely I say to you, whoever says to this mountain, Be removed and be cast into the sea, and does not doubt in his heart, but believes that those things he says will be done, he will have whatever he says. Now, it doesn't mean that you can just speak things into existence. It doesn't mean that you're not going to say the wrong thing. But really, when we speak these things, the idea is is that we're going on record. And the first person that that needs to benefit is is to be myself, I I need to verbalize these things sometimes, because I go on the record, and so I put that before me, rather than filing it in the back, and so again, faith has to be in God, so it can't just be, you know, I want to be a millionaire, and so I'm going to have faith, I'm going to verbalize this, that God's going to fill my wallet, well, I can say that until I'm blue in the face, and it doesn't mean that that's going to happen, unless God told me that's what he's going to do, And so I have to believe that as God has spoken to me through his word, through my time in prayer, as I spend that time with the Lord and he sets a direction before me, then it's that which I have to be vocal in. Again, we're going to have that young couple out here. They're going to be at the pulpit. They're going to vocalize what they believe that God has called them to do. And they're exercising faith by going because they believe that God is able to keep them. And this is what God has called them to do. And so by speaking these things, we go on record. It was so many years ago, going on 38 years, that I went on record as taking Terry unto myself as my wife and she me. We, did, we took vows. And it wasn't a silent service. They asked me, will you take this woman to be your wedded wife? And I vocally, before all those witnesses in that church, said, I do. And she's kind of kept me accountable to that all of these years. When you testify in court, do you promise to tell the truth, the whole truth and nothing but the truth? And you say, I do. You go on record. And as you go on record, you are then accountable. In Hebrews 13, verses 5 through 6 Let your conduct be without covetousness. Be content with such things as you have. For he himself has said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. God has gone on record as offering us that security. But there's a response. So that we may boldly say, The Lord is my helper. I will not fear what can man do to me. So that we would express that confidence that we have in our living God. And then fourthly, to have fervent faith, you must be a person of prayer. Verse 24, therefore I say to you, whatever things you ask when you pray, believe that you receive them and you will have them. Now again, this is asking anything according to the will of God. It's in prayer that faith is directed to the proper place. First John 5.14, now this is the confidence that we have in him, that if we ask anything according to his will... He hears us. So again, this is not random faith in whatever. This is faith that is directed to the throne of God. How do we have faith in what we ask? If we don't know what He wants, prayer will change your heart. It will guard your desire and it will conform them to the will of God. Just think of the faith that you would have if you knew what God's will. If you knew specifically what God's will was for your life, you would then be able to exhibit perfect faith. Well, we have the opportunity to know and understand the will of God, at least the will of God, in the next step. And it comes, again, through prayer. Look at Romans, well, I'll read it. Romans chapter 8, verses 26 and 27, it says, Likewise, the Spirit, this is the Holy Spirit, also helps us in our weakness. For we do not know what we should pray for as we ought, but the Spirit himself makes intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. Now he who searches the hearts knows what the mind of the Spirit is because he makes intercession for the saints according to the will of God. And so this is coming before the Lord and just praying before the Lord and asking for his direction, asking for his leading, asking for his guidance and the Holy Spirit enters into that equation and the Holy Spirit will guide our hearts and guide our thoughts before God And we will have our answer from the Lord, our direction that is set before us. And so we've spent quite a few weeks here in Hebrews chapter 11 to understand this essential concept of faith in the Christian life. And it's good to know all of this. It's good to have this knowledge, but knowledge without action is absolutely useless. And the the determination that each and every one of us needs to make in this concept is what is going to be my next step. What is going to be my next step? And the next step that you need to take, I'll tell you exactly what it needs to be. Wherever it is that God has called you to. That step that you've been ignoring the Lord. That step that maybe you've even refused the Lord. It's essential to take that step because you know what happens when you take that step in faith? He gives you the next one. And he gives you a next one. And sooner or later, then he's given you a lifetime of them to take. And that last step is into the presence of God. And we hear those words, Well done, my good and faithful servant. What is faith? Just a quick review of how we started in verse 1. Faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen, for by it the elders obtained a good testimony. Now, to go through with some um, um, some definitions, Some um, can't think, the, anyway some greek dictionary definitions faith is the confidence of the promises of god that are hoped for the sure conviction of promises not yet seen for by it the elders obtained a good testimony it's the confidence that we have the things that are spoken of there are the things the promises of god We're not to have faith in random things, but we are to have faith in the specific things that God has given to all of humanity and to us specifically. Remember, this is not so much a definition as a description. And the writer of Hebrews, he seeks to illustrate faith, and he does so in three ways, as he describes faith as being a foundation, a proof, and a witness. Saving faith is the foundation of what we are convinced to be true. I believe that Jesus died for my sins and that I am saved by grace. Walking in faith is the proof of what is not yet seen. I believe that Jesus has prepared a place for me in heaven. It's the great hope that dwells inside of me. And since we have this faith, we speak and exhibit faith in God. And then thirdly, faith is the witness that we have throughout the ages. Verse 2, for by it the elders obtained a good testimony all the while understanding, verse 6, but without faith, both professing and practicing, it is impossible to please him, for he who comes to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. Father, I pray that we would be a people who understand these things, that God that just would not just be another Bible study that we listen to or we sit under, but, Father, this would be teaching instruction and instruction that we embrace, that we see how this, that, the, this, this enters into our lives. And, and, Father, maybe the areas that we've fallen short. And, Lord, I pray that we would be encouraged by the areas that we have found victory in. But, Father, most of all, I pray that we would come to that understanding on what it means to be a man or a woman of faith. That, Lord, again, at the end, you would look upon us and say, well done. We so look forward to hearing those words. But until then, I pray that we will continue to push forward. Making the evaluation, are we holding fast or are we slipping away? Because everybody here is doing one or the other. And so, Father, speak to us. Show us where we're at and show us the corrections and the change that we need to make. And as we do, just, Lord, bless our lives, use our lives, take our lives, be glorified through our lives, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. We all stand, please? A couple of things. We are taking sign-ups for a couple's dinner, a couple's uh, Valentine banquet, so you can do that at the information booth. If you've asked for a tithe receipt, they are available at the information booth. If you need one, you need to get signed up for it, and we'll have it for you next week. Um, Wednesday mornings is kind of an unknown service that we have. A lot of us, well, a lot of you can't attend because you're women. It's a men's study, but... um, I encourage you guys, if you're able, we have a men's study on Wednesday mornings. We gather together at 6.30 in the morning. We have breakfast and fellowship for a half hour, and then we get into God's word, and we're filling up the high school room. It's been a really good study. It's been a really good time of fellowship. We have about four different churches that are represented there. So if you're able to make it out and join us, that would be a blessing. And then one other thing, um, Richard was up here last week speaking about what we're doing. We're giving testimony, the men are, towards our wives that back in the high school room and so if you're prepared to do that today we're prepared to record you uh, we're going to lock your wife out so she won't be there telling you what to say you're on your own on this so you better do well there will be a couple up here for prayer i'll be in the back if anybody needs prayer and wants to know more about a relationship with jesus christ tonight we'll be back in second kings god bless you guys Thank you.
0: Grip of his chain Like angels straining from the way My heart no longer Can be from The dead is pain These chains are gone Emmanuel God with us. Such a tiny offering Compared to Calvary But nevertheless we lay it at your feet Such a tiny offering Such a tiny offering Compared to Calvary But nevertheless We lay it at your feet All that say there'll be a couple up front for prayer